Hey everybody, glad to be here. Here we are at podcast time again. Um, I got a great guest today, Todd Corley. Corley, Todd's business has been around since 1997 in Columbia. I'm going to let him tell you all about what they do and how they do it and where they do it. But we're also going to talk to Todd today about, you know, what we could do better as a city, but also some of the the, the highlights and the the low points on, on how small businesses are, are treated in Columbia and, and things that, you know, may make it better. Um, Todd is, is trying to continue to grow his business here, um, has been anchored here for, look, since 1997, folks. He's one of our staples. Um, has incredible family background, which we're going to get into and hear all about his family and where his influences came from. Might even ask him what his best favorite restaurants are and his favorite meals in town. Um, but also just really getting to getting to know Todd and for, for everybody in Columbia to know Todd and his business. So with that, Todd, how about introduce yourself to our listeners? All right. I'm Todd Corley and I am the co-owner of Corley Construction. We um, originally were out of Earl Mo. My dad was a brick mason, and we started to um, buy some equipment a long time ago, back in the 90s, and started putting in septic systems, septic tanks, and that type of thing, a lot of residential work, and eventually started working our way into um, some city um, contracts through the mentor-protege program. And, you know, from there, we've grown and developed into the prime contract on some projects with the city as well. So that we're still involved with currently. So this has been an experience. So the Corley construction is, is doing a lot of water and sewer work and hopes to do a lot more. But when he talks about the mentor protege program, for some people don't know that the city put a program together, matching larger contractors with smaller contractors so that they could build up the capacity and, and really, I don't want to use apprenticeship because that's really not it, but there are a lot to, to make sure that we're growing and, and with a real emphasis on growing more minority businesses and smaller businesses in Columbia, women-owned as well, so that we can, we can grow and make sure that we're spending our money locally. Um, and so Todd has participated in that, and Prime means that he, is the, he, he would be the, the general contractor on a job, which is our goal is to make sure that that Todd and any small business has that opportunity and, and that we're trying to build something bigger for Columbia. Um, obviously, we talk a lot about small business, um, but we really want uh, Columbia to, to spend its dollars locally and not send it out to Virginia or one of these companies that comes here and you know puts a P.O. box up and says they're, they're, they're located here. Um, so Todd, so you started with your dad. Brick Mason, uh, which is a lost art today, I believe. Uh, it really is. Uh, I know y'all have, have really grown into doing more water and sewer. Can you tell us a little bit more about the jobs y'all have done and kind of where you where you, you see yourself going in, in that water and sewer world, which is, you know, in, in a town that's spending an average of $120 million a year just on capital plus, you know, almost $83 million on uh maintenance and operations there, there's a real good opportunity here for a business to grow to partner with the city more yeah we um done a, a large part of our work in the shannon area on water and sewer projects there with trussell brothers when we first got in the protege mentor protege program 
and um, just basically go in installing the water lines down the city in the city streets and you know we learned a lot through it and you know it was it was a good opportunity for us to learn how to make taps and also um, run services and that type of thing and um, you know from that point we um, was able to get more abundant for our company and our company grew as well and we were able to establish our abundant capacity and we've been able to bump, bid on some prime as a prime on some projects with the city of Columbia so um, we hadn't been able to graduate to a mentor yet, but we're still working at it. Well, what do we have to do to make that happen? I think we need to uh, get more opportunities involving um, where a protege can be a prime on the jobs. And, you know, my experience has been with, when you when you when when we when we're involved with these jobs with the city, we have to um, we seem to have a difficult time getting um, our change orders going through on projects. And a lot of times, when you bid as a prime, you when a when it, when the, when a change happens in the job, it really creates an opportunity for you to get extra work and you know it's extra revenue for your company. But if you can't get the change orders approved or get paid for them in a timely fashion, then it's, it's difficult for you to grow a business. Or even if you're trying to get approved on the City of Columbia tap list, which we have been um, trying to do that now for probably about eight or nine years. And if you can't get, if, the, if they won't approve you, for the tap list, then it's hard for you to really participate as a prime on some projects. So let's talk about that for a minute because I don't know I don't know a hundred percent what all's required to get on the tap list. Could you walk us through what's required and what you see as hurdles that make it you know make it impossible for you, you to graduate to that to that prime i guess because that's what it sounds like to me because it seems like you you've done enough work i voted on enough of contracts there to know that you you're invested you're a local business you continue to grow here so what's the hurdle there i think you know when they when you fill out the application to be added to the list there is a it's up to the discretion of the um engineering department to decide whether you meet the requirements so it's um it's not like something you can pass a test for you know you get a passing grade i mean it's more up to the decision makers that are involved and you know their perception of what you should be doing to mm -hmm. to qualify for this list you think it's it, it, do you think and we we found this mistake is we we're going to hire people um it seemed like to me that we we built a criteria with no real reason behind the criteria and we were hiring people but trying to hire people on a criteria instead of hiring them who's best for the job based on knowledge it sounds like we may be doing the same thing in the engineering is is why aren't we hiring for the person who's most qualified to do the job that 
why does it what is if, if we're going by a criteria then maybe the criteria is either outdated or not reflected of the work that's capable of being done by the applicant and it very well may be um one of the questions they would ask me would be um you know how much work we've done in a, and with other municipalities and i'm like We've done most of our work with the city of Columbia. Why do I need to tell you about what we've done somewhere else? I mean, we've done the majority of our work here in the city, but they want to see, know what we've done at other municipalities around. So, and we really haven't done a lot outside of the city. So, well, that was I mean, kind of the purpose of the program, wasn't it? Right. Oh, that's um, interesting. Um, you know, there was a time when they, um, when it seemed like they were going to approve us for the list and then we went out and got an eight thousand um, dollar um supplement to our insurance to be able to install the taps that they require so they require like an eight thousand dollar i mean you can have the standard insurance that's required to do like a prime project on the city but they want additional um insurance for taps and the premium works out to about eight or nine thousand dollars a year so we went out got the additional um, insurance and then they decided not to um, approve us for the list. Thank God we were able to get our money back from the um, insurance provider. So it's been, it's been interesting. It sounds like to me, uh, one of the, the, the questions we need to be asking through the departments is, is how, how are you setting up the system? What, what's your qualifiers? And we need to relook at that is, are we truly hiring um, and letting people apply based on, on the work that we know? Because I agree with you. Why, why do we want to know what they've done somewhere else? If, the, if you came through our own met, <laughs> mentor-protege program, and you're doing the majority of the work here, they ought to be able to pick up the phone. So it sounds like there's a disconnect, number one. Number two, it thinks we need to reevaluate the way we are uh, putting out requests for proposals as well. Um, and, and also, I think the opportunity that we've been doing now where we're trying to do more uh, infinitive contracts where we can work with a, a, a construction company like you and really expand the services without having to constantly go back, especially when it's steady work. You know, one of the uh, the thought processes is, and you know, I was going to ask you about it is like we have 672 meters that need to be put in the ground. I mean, to me, that'd be a perfect opportunity to help provide more business to a company like yours that's locally owned that's already been doing work with the city and this is going to be steady business this is just catch up but this is stuff we do all year long and instead of us trying to hire new crews do our goal really is to figure out this a what do we do best as a city and let us do that and everything else we ought to be working with local contractors for one that builds up capacity number two if you're gonna if you're gonna be here, you're going to grow here, you're going to hire here, and you're going to spend your money here. That's what we want. Um, so I think for us, 
we have to do some dig, some deep diving. And I think it'd be great to have yourself and some other contractors be part of that review process and really look at it and say, you know, the, these are the type of things that are they're affecting our, our growth and it's going against what we're pushing from the top down. So somewhere in the middle, we're getting lost and we got to figure that out. Um, but so, you know, if, if you think about taps, you talked about well, if we do meters, you think about the ongoing repairs. I mean, how many small jobbers that we could hire just to think about if we went back in a major job that could go back and fill and asphalt and repair those so that our crews aren't getting in there. We're 4,000 work orders behind in water and sewer right wow. now. That's for, you know, I, uh, sod was 17% of it, repair, meters were, forgot what the percentage, but it was 20-something because it was 667, I think, or 672, somewhere in there. And then there were all these other repairs, like road repairs. We started off with... 68 steel plates in the beginning of the year we're down to 32 but yet we're getting ready to probably be up to 38 because i know there were six leaks in the last week that haven't been repaired that are out there so we don't have the crew set to do it all now so i think this is a great opportunity to figure out how do we put corley in those positions and other people in those positions if it, even if it's on a rotating schedule but your ability to do the job faster, quicker, and more efficiently, and it's a win-win because I'm helping you grow. Certainly. And I'm solving a problem for our citizens who call every time they run over a steel plate and see those yellow-orange cones. So <laughs> I think, you know, I, I think trying to understand what the, the rest of the hurdles are there, Todd, would be so beneficial that you see. I mean, you, you've given us three examples, and we've only been talking less than 10 minutes. Another one, you know, the emergency work that you spoke yeah. about, I really don't know the requirements for getting on that list. We've never been reached, the city has never reached out to us um, to afford us the opportunity to bid on that list, you know, to be added to that list. And um, it would be a great opportunity if we could get added to the list. Oh, I think, I think it'd be a, I think number one, we need to find out why we're not doing it. Two, we need to make sure that the qualifiers you, you talked about earlier get swiped away. And three, making sure that we're constantly in contact. You know, there's some disconnect at the city between um, our operations guy, procurement, and this and that. We need to get everybody in the room with a group of small business folks like you and figure out how to fix it. Because our goal is to increase the amount of money that we're spending locally. Uh, look, we're, we're 632 employees light right now at the city. 209 of those are in water and sewer. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's our biggest our biggest our biggest department. Everybody thinks it's police, but it's really water and sewer. And they're over 600. We we have a th we have 30 percent of of vacancies there right now. That's big. So I, I see those as opportunities. That's why. You know, understanding some of the hurdles that you, you've been through, get, getting y'all involved are going to be the key for us to, to fix the system. Um, and the benefit of that is that we grow small businesses. I'm going to say it a thousand times during this because I think it's a winner. To me, it just makes sense that that and that's what we ought to be doing. And so dialoguing, you know, getting people like yourself more engaged that have been in the process and seen it are just it's going to be critical. Um, 
you talked about some of the opportunities there. What, what's your, what have, how should I put this? Being through the process, you know, one of the things I've heard from another contractor is, is slow pay. Have you seen that same experience? Yes. Yeah, we have experienced that. Um, you know, trying to get a change order pushed through the system for us is, you know, you might be looking at seven, eight months when there's a change in the work. And um, we got a couple of outstanding change orders now we're trying to get um, resolved. And um, the OBO office has been working really hard for us, but uh, we hadn't quite made it yet. <laughs> so we still got outstanding bills with the city. Well, I think we can work on that, Todd. Uh, I think I'm taking notes while we're we're talking here to to look into because I, that's one of the things that another contractor said to me. It's it's the process to get to a contract, and then after the contract, I have this other hurdle. It's called getting paid on time, and that there are other people that have to be paid in that process and waiting. 60, 90, or 120 days, and I didn't even know this until I had this conversation, we actually process all these checks by hand. We don't use electronic fund transfer. And I'm like, so we're paying all the contractors under, I think it's, I don't know if I got a million dollars or something, all through checks. And so how many hands does that have to touch before it gets out to you, which... You know, if your bill's fifty thousand dollars, or your 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 initial payment is whatever for a contract, we ought to be sending every. It doesn't matter what the size is, we ought to be sending electronic so you have the money in the bank right then and there. Because I can tell you, when we're collecting taxes, we're not waiting one hundred and twenty days to get it from you. <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> and we charge you a credit card fee if you use Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah, when you when you when you're working these jobs and you got subcontractors under you, they wait for the money. These guys need to get paid, you know, weekly in some cases, people working under you. So yeah, it puts a strain on you to finance these jobs for this mm -hmm. extended periods of time. You talk to a lot of other contractors. I mean, is this a daily discussion with people who are dealing with the city? I mean, do you feel like it's a conversation that you wake up every day and go, is this Groundhog Day? Didn't we just talk about this? And it, I mean, what, what, what are some of the other folks that you interact with? The people that I know that have been participating in City of Columbia projects, that, you know, I guess that I know well from my community, um, they basically got about the same views and experiences that I've been talking about today. You know, you just, it's a struggle to, um, to get paid off the jobs and most of the jobs, there's going to be some type of change order, some type of change in work. And when that happens, it's normally up to, you know, it's, it's, it's how the city sees it and what they think they should do or what they think they should pay. And um, it, it, it can really bog down a job for you as far as getting paid. 
When you see that, so when you're you're bidding on a contract at the city, and a lot of it's RFP, you know, if you're trying to be the prime, some of it is joining forces with stuff. Do you feel like you're getting enough information to make the correct bid and get in there with with the understanding is like every construction job, I don't care who you are, there's going to be a change order somewhere, one way or another. Somebody makes a decision to change direction. You, you get into the ground, especially if you're doing water sewer. And it's a whole lot different than everybody thought. Um, do you think the city, when they're putting this out, is giving you the flexibility to bid correctly in that in those jobs? In most cases, I think so. Um, you know, but there's still going to be things that are overlooked during the engineering process. You know, when they're drawing up the plans, and there's still going to be changes. Um, there was a recent job that went out. Broad River SS is a re rehabilitation job, and um, I think two out of town contractors got it. And you know, we did not know that that particular company was bidding on the job as a prime. Um, it was a little bit, it was a larger job, so mm -hmm. we were trying to submit our sub submit bids as a subcontractor, right? And we were unaware that they were bidding as a prime, so um. We didn't get opportunity to present them with a um, proposal for it, for for the work on it. So there needs to be something done to at least let um, subcontractors know who's going to be the prime on these jobs, so they can receive bids from them if they choose to um, use your bid. You know, at least they'll receive one. From what I understand, they met their. Um, participation requirements with another contractor that I think recently set up shop here. So an out-of-town company. From what I understand. So. so in that, what would be the best way to change that, in your opinion, on a notification? Is that something you think comes out of uh, engineering is that something that comes out of procurement? Is that something that OBO could set up and make sure? that everybody who's who's who sat down with OBO, we're working on making sure that we're getting a new comprehensive list. We've even reached out to Stephen Gilchrist to make sure that the Black Chamber is involved, uh, to make sure that we're not missing any business at any level uh, throughout the city. But do you think it's it, it would, it should come from one of those offices or all of them to make sure that it's getting out? Because I know, most of those folks should know who you are and other people are in the community because you've been doing work around here. It's not like you, you, you just showed up. Yeah, I think it might take a combination of all of them, but some, some way we need to know who's going to be the prime bidder. It may be, you know, um, you know, they normally would put out a plan holders list, but now that everybody just downloads the plans off the website, so you really don't know who has the plans who are the plan holders now so um i don't think the pre-bids are mandatory so you can look at the pre-bid list to see who's bidding it but they didn't necessarily have to go to the pre-bid so you wouldn't know that they were bidding it so um so pre-bids no longer a requirement i don't think it's a mandatory requirement from, from my understanding that. yeah that's yeah. interesting to know so um, the precursor to that would be is making sure is that all these folks who line up to potentially bid 
you get an email notification of, of who it is if you wanted to be a sub on that job, or we should make it an automatic that you have to, you know, reach out to all of these individuals who are approved by the city of Columbia. Maybe that's what we need to do. I don't, I don't know, but this is one of those issues that would be interesting to, to bring around the round table, you know, to get a few folks in that have, are seeing the same thing that you are and coming up with a better plan that's that's more user friendly number one but also recognizes that you know another notification like this could make a big difference between you being able to bid even if you you're you're a sub versus prime yes absolutely all right i'm going to veer off the path for a minute because you know we always have to ask our guests some some questions about their their personal life um so you grew up in Irma, right? That's correct. Um, y'all, y'all did a lot of work. Your dad obviously is is your mentor uh, um, in life and, and and in business, and your partner. Um, so my next question is: is if you grew up in Irma, was your favorite restaurant in Irma or was it in Columbia? I'll say Columbia. And what Cal- California what? dreaming. Ah, yeah. old California school, yes, old sir. school. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. You know, we, we were talking about the evolution of restaurants here not too long ago and how they've changed over the years. But, you know, you forget about the steady guys like California dreaming. I remember coming through Columbia as a kid in high school and going to California dreaming. Like it was the place you, you met people when you, you were coming through town to go eat and, you know, and then in college, for some reason, I never really went there that much. I don't think I've been there a whole lot. Um, I find myself going to the little store next door to it more often than I do going to the <laughs> restaurant over there. But uh, um, now, as far as Irmo now, I would have to say Kiki's. Yeah, if I had to pick a place in Irmo, chicken and waffles. Yes, sir. That's the number two location, though, right? Yes, I yeah, believe so. Yeah, that's right. So Barry Walker met with me the other day, and they're looking to do some water and sewer projects okay. and Irmo and develop, they want to develop more of a, try to create a, a main street district where they've got a destination. And uh, one of the things that they want to do with us and they're using some of their ARPA money is to redo the streetscape, redo uh, the water and sewer there. They're needing some numbers about capacity and everything because they really wanted it to be a place where you could come with your family and, if you wanted to walk to a restaurant or you wanted to go to a shop, just kind of having a center, as, as uh, Mayor Walker says, we don't have really a center point in Irmo. We got a little <laughs> pockets here. Right. And there. We need a center point. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It's a great concept, especially with as much as growing around. I mean, growing up in Irmo, that was country back then. Yes, it was. And today it's like, where did all these people come from? That's right. I was out that way earlier today in Harbison and it was amazing. I'm, I went and did a, a, a kids parade, 130 kids at a preschool. And, uh, it, it, it is, is fun to watch, but all the families, all of them, a lot of them from, uh, that side of town on the city side and a lot from Irmo, but they were one of the, the guys that had grown up there was talking to me. He's just like, he goes, this wasn't even here when I was a kid. He said, we used to play in these woods. He <laughs> That's said, right. Between here and the lake was nothing. Yep. It's just amazing how it's all grown. Um, so we, we know you like California dreaming. You're a Gamecock fan or are you a, a Clemson Tiger fan? I'm with the Cox. <laughs> 
good. I'm a little worried there. Uh, um, so I know you watched the game last night. Uh, you know it. And yeah. uh, hopefully um, we're going to have some some great more seasons. And uh, I tell you, those those girls have so much energy and power and, and watching them play. And I started looking at them in the review, and there's Aaliyah, you know, with her braces. I'm like, they look so young, but they're so dynamic. I mean, unbelievable under that basket last night. And, uh, of course, I can't stop talking about Destiny. I mean, she blew my mind with those 24 points, had her breakout game, national championship. And you could look at Coach uh, Gino over there. You could tell he knew it was coming to an end. <laughs> yeah. But he had 11-0 run in national championship, so we, we won't mess with that. So when you, when you come to town and you're around, what, what's some of your favorite things about Columbia? You know, is is the um, just the activity downtown? I mean, you know, it's it's the go to spot when you go out, you know, at night and on the weekends. It's just a lot of stuff going on in the city, and um, that's what I enjoy about staying down this way now. I stay over in Earlwood, so mm-hmm. yeah, not far away from here, and um, it's just being convenient to the happening spot, you know. If you're going to do something, you're going to end up coming to Columbia. I don't care if you live in Northeast or Urbo or, you know, Hopkins. You're still going to end up coming downtown Yeah. when you want to get get going. We live in a great historic neighborhood in North Main. I tell you, that stretch from North Main all the way up to River in that first stretch, I think is is the next pioneer for Columbia. I think that's where you're going to see the most growth. And I say that because there are not many places in America where somebody, a small business guy or an investor or a business owner can locate their business, walk out on Main Street and point at the state house. And and I tell people that story when I'm talking about, you know, where where I see the next growth pattern. And they're like, I never really thought about that. I'm like, think about it. You can go stand on Main Street and point at the State House. Not many places you can do that, and it's still affordable and opportunity there. You're crunched between four historic neighborhoods who all are now really engaged in supporting the local businesses there. I mean, you look at the growth that's happened from the Sumter Street side all the way up, and then now that the city has gotten the property that the highway had, you know, what that potentially could be and the connection of the Greenway, um, it's a prime spot. It's crazy convenient. I mean, you can hit any part of town from that area easily. 15 minutes, so it's, it's a great You're everywhere, spot. yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> so get hanging out in downtown Columbia. Obviously, you're a Gamecock fan. You've been hitting the sports. You're busy. What else do you like to do? What else is your, your kind of stress-free kind of hobby? Maybe that's a good way to put it. No, uh, probably Lake Murray. Messing around up at Lake Murray a little bit on jet skis and that type of thing up at the lake. So that's kind of like the closest place to kind of get away from the Columbia and still have it going on. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those assets we don't talk about. Um, I spend probably most of May through September up there. I love being at the lake. I think it's uh, it's a great asset. We don't sell it. We don't use it as much. It is. I mean, not many communities have a fifty-five thousand acre lake right in their backyard, and it literally is in our backyard. 
I think it's a great place. You fish any? No, not too much. You know, I might mess with stripers a little bit when it gets hot, do a little night fishing up there. Yeah. But not so much fishing, not too much. That's kind of my, my, my thing to go to. I go up there and fish and just get lost for a couple hours. And, man, just being on the water just takes everything away. It's, it's so awesome. That's, we, we're talking about how we utilize the rivers, too, you know, what we, what we can do more to encourage people to, to be part of the, um, using the river and, and exploring it. I did some things this summer where we took some people on rafting. And there were people there who had been living in Columbia 10, 15 years, never floated down the river. Have you floated down the river? I have. Oh, it's right. really, really cool. All really right. cool. Really cool. That's that that that's a great thing. So, as as we we're moving forward and when we're continuing to talk about trying to improve the atmosphere in business in Columbia, what what kind of businesses would you like to see in Columbia? What what would enhance us as a community, in your opinion? <laughs> I think downtown Columbia, well, more retail downtown Columbia, I think, um, would be good um, to really see the um, ballpark area get finished off and um, see that succeed. It's, it's, I'm really interested in seeing how that turns out. And I think, you know, trying to keep pushing that area to, um, to actually finish developing. If you could pick a store, a store that you'd like to see us try to recruit, what what would you what would you say? <laughs> what store would I like to see you recruit? <laughs> um, or type of store? You know, it's funny because everybody has their own. I've had people say everything from Orvis to Yeti store to a clothing store, a certain brand. You know. When you see what other communities have, you're like, I want it. I want it here. Well, I would like to see a Dillard's down here, but I know that's probably, that might be a long screech. Man, I'll tell you. Have a Dillard's convenient to my house? Yeah, that would be good. I'm, you're going to laugh when you say this. I didn't know Dillard's was still in Columbia until I was out in Harbison today. I thought they closed and left. I, I did not realize that they were still open um, because for me, when I was living downtown, the closest Dillard was at the Richland Fashion Mall. And since the mall closed, I, I don't shop much. Um, I, if I, I, I'm not a shopper, I'm a buyer. If I need it, I'm going to there buy you go. it. That's right. <laughs> I don't really shop. So um, I didn't even realize they were still open out at the mall until, until today, really. Uh, I know that's probably not a good thing, but... Uh, that's interesting you say that because when I said that to somebody else today, they're like, I shop there all the time. How did you not know? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just not a shopper. Maybe uh, maybe that's it. <clears throat> for for your construction business and, and water and sewer, obviously, is there anything you think we could do to help you have opportunities in other communities so that you can grow? I mean, obviously, you know, we see contractors come and go and, you know, with all... There's a lot of infrastructure money coming down, as you know, 
a lot of it's being geared at rural communities that need a lot of repair and a lot of opportunities. Is there anything besides, you know, creating more opportunities at the city so that you can build up your resume and your bonding capacity and other? Is there something that we can do as a city to help you in these other communities? Is it references? Is it letters of support? Talking about the quality of work you do? Uh, do you see something there that we could help you also grow your business around? Because, you know, we're here 20 minutes from downtown Columbia. You can be in five different counties. All who have large rural components, who all, I believe, are going to benefit for the next five years over the opportunities that are coming both from the state and federal level. Do you see something there that we could help with that would not only benefit your business, but other businesses? I think some of the things you mentioned would help, you know, references and stuff. But, you know, I think the bottom line is we need more contracts. We need more jobs. And, you know, that's the way you're going to build capital. And that's the way you're going to build your company. You got to have the opportunities set more more contracts, more jobs. So, you know, that's the bottom line on it. So I met with a contractor the other day and they were telling me some of the, the concerns they had with the way we set up our RFPs and how long it takes to go through the system and how appreciative they are of OBO and other things that they're doing, but seeing sometimes that that could be a hindrance. I guess the question would be is the one thing they said to me, and I'm curious to hear your comment on is they said some of these big contracts that come out of water and sewer are almost too big and it eliminates the opportunities for a small business to be a prime or be geared up to grow to be be a prime on that type of project. Do you see that? Do you think that that we need to look at breaking these contracts down a little bit more so that we can create more opportunities? Yeah, I think so. I know it would make more make it more <laughs> make more work for the city to do that, but it would give um, smaller contractors more opportunity at getting that to work because the bigger the project is, the more risk you got involved. Normally, the cheaper the prices get and the big contractors are more geared for that type of work. You know, you're just not going to be able to compete against them very well. <laughs> Somebody said, yeah, the, they're cheaper when they bid on them, but when you finish it, <laughs> the time they add in, the change orders and all the things that tend to show up when they're the low bid, it kind of balances out. So we, we, would we be better off breaking it up? But that's that's interesting to hear because maybe that's one of the things that, you know, once again, we can do to improve and to, to get more contracts. Um, have you seen something in another municipality or another business that you've worked with that where they had a really good streamlined process? Not so much as far as the bidding part of it, but as far as completing work in those areas, Lexington County, West Columbia, Aiken, you know, the, the requirements to be on a tap list, they don't have those requirements. You know, if you have a water and sewer license, if you're licensed to do the work and you got insurance and you bond it, then you can make the tap or you can do the work. And here, you know, there's different requirements that you have to meet before the city will let you do that. So the city's by far the hardest place to, to do work. Are you saying that because of the, that, the, 
the way they're set up for requirements, you you have you have more of an opportunity to get more work out of West Columbia and Lexington and other places. Yes, because you qualify for the work. You can do it all in house if you're set up to make taps yourself, or you're set up to do different portions of the work. So you can do it all in house. So it's going to be it'll be a better working environment for you, and you, you should be more successful. Yeah, it's interesting because. So many people, especially over the last 12 months, as we've been through campaigns and elections and we're getting, you know, settled in, a lot of people talking about the same thing. And West Columbia always seems to be one of those communities that comes up. And I tell people today, you know, everybody talks about Greenville or Charleston who we're competing with. The reality is we're competing with our neighboring communities because they become more business friendly on, on both sides of the ledger, not only in how they contract for work, but also how, how easy they make it for people to get permits and, and make investments in their community, which then turns around and creates more work for potential folks like Corley Construction and other folks. So it sounds like we can just go across the river and sit down and go, all right, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let's figure out how do we, how do we take, because obviously it's working for them. You know, like you said, uh, I'm able to bid on a project. I've got the insurances. I've got all the liability covered, and I'm licensed to do the job, you know, which really should be the basis of how we give a contract. Right. And I think the size of the contract, as we talked about earlier, plays in that. And, and so I think there are a lot of takeaways that we can get from this. And I'm hoping that, that yourself and some other folks could get together with us and, and have a round table with our staff and really talk through these issues so that we moving forward. Because the one thing I want to be geared up as a city is as over the next 12 to 36 months that we're able to gear into getting ready for the, for the money that's coming down so that we can invest in our, our local businesses and allow them to get more of these contracts and to build up the capacity to help them compete in other places. But also, you know, look, you're going to spend your money locally. You're going to invest here. You're going to support local charities. You're going to go out and dine here. You're not going to be staying at the extended stay and on Friday leave town every weekend after you get paid. So, um, I think there's a great opportunity for us to to do this, Todd. I hope you will you will join in on this. I know I want to try to pull some folks in. Obviously, I have to yield a little bit to the table to Miss Sumter because you know how <laughs> Diane is. For those of you who are listening who don't know Diane Sumter, uh, she's the matriarch in our community. And but I tell you, she's got one of the biggest hearts I've, I've ever seen. She sent during the pandemic, I bet she sent me an email every other day with programs that she found that could help everybody from restaurants to dry cleaners to small. She just constantly is trying to figure out how programs can fit into our community and benefit to grow those small businesses. And, uh, you know, she fought hard back in the day to get more contracts. And, and she's the first one to tell me we're not there yet. We still have room for improvement, but she's willing to do the work to help us. And and I, I just, you know, got to have Miss Diane at the table. Um, um, yeah, my hat's off to her. She doesn't stop, and uh, we don't know where we would be without her. And I don't think she's going to stop. <laughs> I told her she's she's going to be running hard until she runs into the <laughs> ground. And then she may come back. That's right. Um, but... Um, 
Todd, we, we want to thank you for being here today. I appreciate you taking the time um, and telling us about your company, telling us about some of the hurdles, because every day we want to improve in Columbia, but we also want to support our local businesses. And, A, I thank you for sticking around and not running running off and continuing to, to bid, even though the process doesn't always work out like it should but be willing to work with us to improve it. I think it, it says a lot, not only of, you know, the way you were brought up, um, you know, the, how you run your company and how we need to invest in you more because you, to me, you're a role model for a lot of people. And I'm hoping that as we continue to move forward and make changes as your business grow, you can continue to hire within our community uh, and, and really make a difference. So I want to thank you for being here today. I want to thank you for what you've been doing and continuing to invest and believe that there are opportunities here. And I, I hope you'll join me in working together to try to to get the hurdles out of the way and, and open up more opportunities. Hey, I'm with you. And I certainly appreciate you taking time out to um, use this opportunity to help 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 create some change for us thank you well we're gonna we're gonna keep trying but the only way we can do it is we're doing it together and i think that's what we've been trying to say from day one is that this is a we tour and if if we're not working together we're just not gonna be successful yes sir well folks thank y'all for joining here we are we had a great another podcast here uh around town um great to have todd corley corley construction here if you need any water and sewer work, please call Todd Carley. Don't think twice about it. You can go ahead and give him your number if you want. 803-513-1269. 24 hours a day. He never sleeps. <laughs> call him. 